0: This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, where I'm sharing the lovely chat that I had with Mike Dell. He is a former U.S. Air Force officer that was stationed in Iceland during the 90s. We talked about what it was like for him to live in Iceland as a military officer on the NATO base, how he was treated by Icelanders, what he enjoyed about the country and more. Similar to my last episode, I was connected with Mike in a rather unusual way. So just to give you a little bit of background, I use the service Blueberry to host my podcast, And when I made the switch from the URL from foreigntofamiliar.com to to allthingsiceland.com, which is now my new website, I had to reset my podcast RSS feed so that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and basically all the other platforms that play my show will get the new episodes that are being published on allthingsiceland.com. Well, I ran into some issues (laughs) doing it myself, and I realized that... Maybe it was best to get some expert advice, so I reached out to Blueberry for help. Dave and Mike, who both work for Blueberry in their customer service department, were extremely helpful. And while I was talking to Mike via Zoom, he ended up asking me about my podcast, like what is it I talk about and all these other things. When I told him that I focus on Iceland and basically everything about it, he was delighted to share that he had lived in Iceland while he served in the Air Force in the 90s. Of course, this totally piqued my interest, and I was fascinated to hear more, especially because this was such a long time ago that he was here, but also in a very special circumstance. And just for the record, this episode, nor the podcast, is sponsored by Blueberry, I happily pay full price for their services because they do such a great job. If the show is ever sponsored by a company in the future, I will make that crystal clear. Lastly, the cool thing is that Mike is one of the hosts of the Podcast Insider, which is Blueberry's podcast, and he interviewed me for their latest episode. And we talked about why I started the podcast, why I ended up moving to Iceland, what equipment I use. Which, to be totally honest, I'm a minimalist. I'm not very tech savvy in that way, but it works for me. And, you know, so maybe if you are interested in ever thinking about podcasting or have been curious about my setup or at least some of the equipment that I use, you can get some insight there. And he also was curious to know which of my interviews I like the most, which is so hard because it's like trying to pick your favorite child or something. Granted, I don't have children, but I would assume that would be quite difficult. (laughs) If you want to have a listen to that, I will have a link to the Podcast Insider episode in which I'm featured in the show notes of this episode, which of course can be found on allthingsiceland.com. I hope you enjoyed this interview just as much as I enjoyed conducting it. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure to leave a review on whichever platform you're listening to this show on and share it with someone who you think will find this episode interesting. Mike, thank you for virtually sitting down with me today in order to talk about Iceland.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been there, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful place as I remember it.
0: Yeah, and it's still beautiful. And even though it's been a while, like you mentioned, you've been here. And I think we should kind of jump into that. You were here back in the 90s. Why were you in Iceland back then? And can you give us a little bit about, like, talk about your experience?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was stationed there at the Naval Air Station Keflavik. Which uh, was at the Keflavik International Airport there, uh, and I got there in October of 1990 as part of wow. the United States Air Force. Uh, they had an Air Force contingent there. Uh, we were flying the F-15 uh, for uh, defense of the island. Basically, was it
0: strange though when you ended up getting this? work i guess you can call it or what, what is it called when you end up you know in the yeah, military we, and you, an assignment is that yeah what, is that?
1: yeah i got okay. a, assigned to uh, what was called the 57th fighter interceptor squadron uh, the black okay. knights of iceland is what our nickname was
0: knights of iceland okay <laughs> and, that's uh, pretty funny it's probably the the only knights iceland ever, has ever had
1: yeah probably uh yeah we were uh, i don't know if I mean, I'm sure the, the, the buildings are still there, but uh, out in, on Keflavik Airport, there's a kind of a horseshoe-shaped taxiway with a bunch of big old concrete hangars, and uh, that's where our airplanes were kept. And then we had an alert facility where we had four airplanes armed and ready to go, and it was kind of like the fire station, You know, the alarm would go off, and uh, pilots would jump in the planes. We'd open the doors, and out they went. And they were flying within 10 minutes of the alarm going off. And uh, their main duty was to escort the uh, Russian bombers through the uh, airspace around Iceland.
0: Okay. And did that happen often, where you had to do this?
1: Uh, It was... I would say probably two or three times a week, they would have an active alert. Plus they were, you know, flying regular training missions and and whatnot all the time. But, uh, and then we also had a uh, rescue squadron, which was, uh, two or three helicopters that would uh, go rescue people, uh, from up in the mountains or out on a Mm. glacier somewhere, or even in the ocean, kind of like the Coast Guard does here in the States. And uh, they also had a NATO AWACS airplane. That's the really weird airplane with a big flying saucer on the top. <laughs> yeah, one of those. They had one of those stationed there at the same time.
0: That's fascinating. That's really interesting too. I didn't realize that you were doing rescue missions, because like in here in Iceland, I don't know if they had the, had it back in the nineties, but it's a volunteer organization that yeah. does it here. So was that still back then as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. The the U.S. Air Force, mainly the rescue squadron was for in case one of our airplanes crashed, but they would help with Ah, civilians as well. So, you know, it was kind of a, a joint effort.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Okay. And what was it like interacting with Icelanders? Like, did you ever feel weird ever going out in your uniform? Did you, like, prefer to change or something just so you can kind of blend in?
1: Well, the, the thing back then was when we left the air base, we actually had to go through Icelandic customs just as if we were coming in from <laughs> outside the country. Wow. And some of the rules that they had back then was we couldn't leave the base in uniform. So we had to oh. switch into civilian clothes before we could leave the base. And we all lived on the base. There was no, nobody living off base. Uh, that okay. wasn't a thing back then. And yeah, we had to go through Icelandic customs to get off the base. We couldn't wear uniforms. Uh, There was, you know, we couldn't take cassette tapes, believe it or not. Uh, Back in the day, of course, we couldn't take uh, more than a pack of cigarettes if you smoked (laughs) because they didn't want you, uh, uh, you know, selling your your cheap cigarettes to the Icelanders, I guess. Oh, my goodness. This was back in the 90s where this was normal. You know, there was a lot of restrictions of what we could take off the base. Uh, Same thing with like gasoline. If we were going out four wheeling or something, you couldn't take an extra can of gas because the Uh fuel was so much more inexpensive on the base than it was off the base. which is ridiculous so they didn't want us (laughs) yeah they didn't want us to uh, be smuggling our dollar and a half uh, per gallon gas into an economy that uh, i think it was like eight dollars a gallon at the time if you figured it all out with the uh, exchange rate yeah Uh,
0: it's still very high now so it's yeah well everything up there was
1: diesel i remember Uh, is that still the case uh, there's
0: there are a lot less cars that use diesel but there's still a diesel pump okay yeah. it's funny that i have a car that uses diesel but the majority of cars don't
1: okay because yeah up there you know back 30 years ago uh, it seemed like every car i saw up there was diesel or at least mm-hmm. available as a diesel
0: yeah a lot has changed especially because of the rental car market here and they're choosing, they're buying cars from overseas that use gasoline and then if you know, for instance, because it's really expensive to import a car to Iceland. So, if a rental car has one, and then they end up selling it on the used car market, those cars start showing up all over the place in the country. So, there's just been a shift from diesel to gasoline
1: ah, over interesting, time. Interesting. Interesting. Like I said, yeah. I've been there since '91. So, it's
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot has changed for sure. Yeah. And were Icelanders friendly to you, or hostile, or reserved? Like, what was it like? Maybe you got a mix of all of these.
1: Things. Yeah, I would say it's a mix. Uh, for the most part, they they tolerated us well, uh, and you know, in my particular case, I, I fit right in. I'm you know, a so blonde uh, white guy, so you know, it's <laughs> kind of kind of the norm in Iceland, I guess. Uh, so yeah. as long as I didn't open my mouth, they didn't really know I was an Icelandic. So
0: yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you mentioned once you were just like nodding when a person was talking to you in Icelandic. <laughs> <It's>
1: yeah, like, <laughs> well, I was at a store. I forget what kind of store. It was in uh, in Reykjavik. And, and as I walked to the store, we just kind of browsing around. And uh, he comes up to me and he starts throwing the sales pitch on me in Icelandic. And <laughs> just nodded and smiled for a little bit. And uh, then finally he looked at me and says, you're, you're, you're American, right? <laughs> I <laughs> so figured it out, but uh, it was, it was kind of cool for, you know, at least a couple minutes there. That's funny. But uh, no, we had a pretty good uh, relationship with the Icelandic people uh, as the base was there. Uh, like I said, I know that's changed a lot as well. I think back in 2004, the, the NATO base officially closed and is more of a reserve base and uh, kind of a temporary thing but at the time yeah. it was a permanent installation i think we had something like 5000 people stationed there Wow. which was a yeah, pretty big population for keflavik
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which is it's larger than keflavik you you basically were another town a, a, a large large well mid-sized town in iceland
1: yeah, yeah it was crazy. definitely we were you know we were the, one of the population centers uh, somebody told me uh, <laughs> Putting that base next to Keflavik was like having Tokyo outside of New York, you know, (laughs) (laughs) something like that, you know.
0: Which is so weird when you think about the numbers because it's so small and almost everywhere else except for maybe a rural community. But it's just hilarious how that much of an impact can be had on Iceland just by moving a military base, a U.S. military base onto, onto the land, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. One thing unique about that base was it was not just U.S. It was run by the U.S. Navy, but uh, U.S. Air Force had some people there. Me, I was one of them. The uh, Marine Corps had some people there, uh, and a lot of the other NATO countries would have people there. Mm, The Brits had a squadron there. The uh, Norwegians, I believe had a squadron there and then there was other people rotating in and out all the time so it was a true NATO base uh, so it wasn't just you know the U.S. uh, although they ran the the infrastructure on the base at the time.
0: Okay and did you interact with any of the other NATO military soldiers and people
1: who were there? Oh yeah definitely uh, you know we would uh, you know like uh, the in in the case of Norway I remember you know they had F-16s and of course the US Air Force also flew F16 so a lot of us had experience with those so we would help them out sometimes if something went wrong or or uh, they would help us out if we needed some you know parts or whatever and you know so we you know we all worked together uh, not you know not necessarily together together but uh, right, you know, yeah. we, we we you know and you know of course all the clubs It was friendly.
0: Yeah, we had you know
1: <laughs> clubs on the base and the dining hall and all that was all you know anybody and everybody from all the different countries were there so and then, you nice. know, of course, a lot of Icelanders as well. A lot of them were civilian employees of the base.
0: Okay. And did you get a chance to observe any of their habits that you might have thought were a little bit unfamiliar or just different than what you were used to seeing?
1: <laughs> well, I do remember around Christmas time. That was uh, that was where it, it got a little strange for me. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if this is still the case. I'm sure it is. Uh, but, you know, we went into... Reykjavik, uh, a buddy of mine and I drove into Reykjavik, and I had a little Czechoslovakian car called a Skoda. I don't know if those mm-hmm. are popular up there uh, now. Yeah, but, they uh, have them still. So. But back then, you know, it was kind of a weird car for us. But that's what I had, anyway. Not not really part of the story. But I'm driving. <laughs> uh, you know, we drove into Reykjavik and I drove past a graveyard, and the Sorry. graveyards all decorated up with Christmas lights mm-hmm. and, and all that. <laughs> and, and we had to stop and look. I'm like. What's going on here? <laughs> yep, I thought that was uh, that you know just different, uh, you know nothing wrong with it, but different, <laughs> you know.
0: Yep, I still think about that now, and I say this to my husband, who is Icelandic, that I still find it a little bit bizarre, right? That, they, that this part is such a it's, it's such a big part of people's um, Christmas uh, traditions is to go to their loved ones and put like lights and things like that. And it's just, I don't know, for some reason, I just have not been able to like mentally get used to it, even though it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it. And it's actually quite nice if you were to go to the cemetery and like visit, you know, a person's grave, but it is really bizarre. And it just makes me think of like <laughs> Halloween more than Christmas, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at it, it you know, and that was one of the things, uh, you know, for the most part, people are people, so that that was kind of cool. You'd go into a, a bar or something, and you know, everybody seemed, you know, pretty cordial. And you know, I ran into more Icelanders that could speak English than I did anybody else that could speak Icelandic. So,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, okay, you know, that was
1: uh, that. You know, so it was never a communication problem. Almost everybody spoke English, even back then. Uh, you know, except for maybe some of the older generation, but uh, you know said i never had any problem communicating with anybody
0: yeah and it's pretty much the same like that now which is pretty funny is that the older generation if you get to someone who's maybe 80 or 90 then it's much more difficult to communicate if if they'll speak english at all if they can so it's funny that that hasn't changed in such a while (laughs) but um i'm just curious about When In a separate conversation before this recording, you talked about the Icelandic hot dog and how much you missed that.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm a hot dog connoisseur, so uh, (laughs) I have not found any hot dog on the planet that is as good to me as what I remember the Icelandic Mm -hmm. hot dogs to be. And uh, I know there's that famous hot dog stand in Reykjavik that uh, everybody goes to. But we went to a little place. uh, It was right uh, kind of on the water right there in Keflavik, on the, on the, I guess, harbor or fjord or whatever you call it, uh, called the Booga Bar. I have no idea if that's still there or if that's a thing, <laughs> but it was, you know, basically a, a walk up type place. It wasn't a, you know, wasn't, you know, there was no enclosed seating. It was just walk up to the window and order your hot dogs and fries mm-hmm. and whatever. And, and uh, they had little picnic tables and stuff out there and and you just sat and looked at the water and ate your stuff <laughs> it was you know and, oh and the other thing I found weird is almost everywhere you could get you could get beer uh I don't know if that's still a thing but at this little walk up snack bar thing called the Boga bar there was they actually had canned beer as you mm. know, one of the choices you know it'd be you know like here in the states you go into a McDonald's they don't sell sell beer yeah <laughs> you know, but this was kind of that equivalent and I and I, I thought that was a little strange
0: yeah. It is interesting because, like, a, if you have the license, you can sell it. But where you officially can sell beer, like a huge distributor, is only owned by the government. Their government-owned stores it's called Weinbuden. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's yeah, it's kind of a strange mix where you can get it in some places, but that's only because they have um, permission, in essence. Mm-hmm. But the larger alcohol stores are government owned
1: right yeah i do remember that we, we same thing on the base the uh, you know we had the the base liquor store basically and mm-hmm. when i was up there we had ration cards so you oh. had, you could only get you know like each person could only get so many cases of beer so many bottles of of spirits and so many bottles of wine you know and you had a little punch mm-hmm. card and if you ran out of punches for the month uh, you didn't uh, get any more <laughs>
0: okay, Which is to yeah. keep people from becoming alcoholics or something.
1: Well, that and uh, also they didn't want you to buy uh, you know cases of beer and then take it, smuggle it off base and sell it. Yeah. Okay. Or, so or, there's always this you know,
0: the whole, <laughs> trying to prevent people from making cash on the side from exactly. selling their cheaper uh, yeah. goods. Okay.
1: Exactly. Make, that that was a yeah. big deal to the Icelanders, of course, because you know it would screw up their economy if. You know, yeah. if uh, if we were bringing in cheap stuff. <laughs> so that's why we had yeah. to go through customs. And then coming back on the base, we had to go through Navy security. So to go on and off oh, the base, yeah. it was similar to going through customs every time.
0: That's fascinating. And it's funny that you got there at a really good time, at least for beer, because beer was prohibited or uh, considered illegal um, up until March 1st, 1989. Wow. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> so that might have been another reason why they were like beer is now in so many different places because it was well there just as I remember a year before you
1: got there. I remember uh, there was a Heineken factory there in, mm. in Iceland or a canning place. Uh, I don't know if they made the beer there but uh, there was a canning facility there apparently because okay. the aluminum's cheap up there. Yeah. And no uh, I do remember that. Uh, I also do I, I remember the uh, the fishing. Uh, Kevlovik, yeah. at that time, I don't know if it still is, was a pretty big fishing village or fishing town. And, you know, they would dry the fish out on these big racks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yep. you know, if the wind was blowing the right way, you could definitely smell fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, they We had, still we had a bad, really bad nickname for that. I'm not going to say.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PG show. So <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, I mean, dried fish is one of the, the traditional foods. So I'm wondering, did you try any Icelandic traditional food, like fermented shark, skir, dried yeah, fish?
1: A little bit, uh, not not a whole lot. Uh, we had a, a what they called the USO club on the base that would get fresh cod and do a fish fry. But I guess that's more American than Icelandic. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now, you know, I did... Sample a little bit here and there. And, uh, you know, I did travel around Iceland a little bit. Went up as far as Accuari. Uh Went up, of course, saw the glaciers and, you know, the, the volcano and all that good stuff. <laughs> you yeah. know, all the touristy stuff. But that was, <laughs> like I said, tourism wasn't a big deal back then as it is now, I'm sure. Yeah. As well. I mean, we you know, we mostly we'd see British tourists, it seemed. Uh, Interesting. The Brits liked it up there at the time. Like I said, this was 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they still are interested in it, but the U.S. became the bigger, the biggest group of tourists in Iceland after um, Eyjafjallajökull glacier or, or volcano erupted in 2010. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it was like then all of a sudden people realized that there was beautiful nature when they were showing the country on you know the news and stuff, and in the U.S. it just blew up. So it's, UK is still up there as one of the countries that comes to Iceland, but in the past like decade, it's been the U.S. It's been, you know, the largest group.
1: Interesting. So, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'd love to come back and I will at some point. My wife and I have been talking about possibly heading up there for a week or so just to check it out again.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure it would also be a little bit interesting to go by the base or at least, you know, walk around where you stayed. Yeah, it's a lot of, of that stuff <laughs> has been, those buildings have been turned, or at least with the, I think where you were staying, like where you were sleeping mm-hmm. has been, was turned into apartments.
1: Yeah. The, the so. dormitories there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you, well, I, I don't even know if the old terminal building is still there, but uh, when we got there and, or when I got there in 1990, the, they had just opened the new Keflavik airport, buildings on, mm. kind of on the other side of the airfield from where the base was. And okay. we in p- process through the old terminal. Well, from where that old terminal was, the hangar that I worked, you know, I worked in a, a different place than where those concrete hangars were. There was a great big hangar there. And I know that's been torn down because I see the from the uh, Google Earth images that that building yeah. was gone. <laughs> but uh, that building was right next to the old terminal building on the one side of the the uh, airfield and where i lived was maybe a half a mile uh, i guess a, you know, a couple a kilometer and a half maybe from where the uh, where the ramp was at the old terminal building and so it wasn't very far away and they were you know just like three three story apartment like buildings uh, and I'm sure that'd be really easy to turn them into apartments. So that's probably what yeah. they did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good use of the space for sure. And I'm curious about the weather because Iceland is known for its weather and how much it varies. Did you get a good dose of that while you were here?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, the thing, you know, being out on on that peninsula and uh, the wind, mm-hmm. you know, they don't put airports in, uh, in, in, tree-lined areas that are, you know, so that there's a lot of wind and all the sidewalks on that base, uh, you know, around that base on the airport, there were, uh, they had uh, handrails on all the sidewalks <laughs> and I couldn't figure out when I first got there because it was a pretty nice day when we got there. Yeah. And by the way, I arrived on Hawaiian Airlines. <laughs> what? Yeah, Hawaiian Airlines flew the uh, rotation flights from Philadelphia Airport to uh, Keflavik. Uh, yeah, every Wednesday we called it the tater, the rotator. The tater. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so was, uh, the Hawaiian Airlines had the contract, so for the military. And Anyway, okay. side note. But uh, when I got there, I said, why are there handrails on all the side? I mean, going between the buildings, there were handrails. Mm-hmm. Well, then I realized, okay, if you've got 60-mile-an-hour winds, it's hard to stand up. <laughs> so you got to have the handrails. And sometimes, you know, it would be so windy that – you know, at night uh, between the buildings, there were a couple of big old dumpsters in between the mm-hmm. buildings and they weren't really tied down. And they would blow over almost every night. <laughs> that's crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. One day we had, I want to say, 103 mile an hour sustained wow. winds. So that's above hurricane force. Yep. And it was sustained for several hours. And once all the wind had stopped, we went out there and it blew all the cars from one end of the parking lot to all together on the other side of the parking lot. (laughs) So, you know, I'd never seen anything like that.
0: No. (laughs) And and how about in summer? I mean, was that weird with the midnight sun? And were you able to sleep with, you know,
1: all I have to do is stop moving and I go to sleep. So I I had no (laughs) problems. But yeah, some people did have problems with that. What, you know, what I, you know, didn't, it wasn't used to as we'd come out of one of the clubs or whatever at two in the morning and have to put your mm-hmm. sunglasses on that was yeah <laughs> that was weird but you know it, it never really got you know it didn't st- it was it, as I remember uh you know the sun would go down to the horizon and then just kind of go sideways for a little while and come back mm-hmm. up you know? Yeah. so it never really went That's completely pretty down. much it and then and uh, in the
0: winter oh sorry again.
1: Yeah. I was going to say in the winter, you know, you, you had that, uh, the opposite effect. It would come up Mm -hmm. just a little bit for a little while and then right back down. That was Mm -hmm. a little harder to get used to (laughs) for me. Yeah.
0: It's like, it's so extreme. It's amazing how extreme it is though. And that's kind of what I enjoy, even though it's taken me a while to get used to it. But did you see the Northern Lights while you were here?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember, uh, one time we were at the Blue Lagoon. I'm sure you know about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we're at the Blue World Lagoon famous now. Yeah, it wasn't then. Uh, it was just an old power plant and they had a little bathhouse there. That was it. The hot <laughs> dog stand. But anyway, we were, you know, sitting there neck deep on New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety to ninety one. <laughs> I remember wow. the day exactly. And we we're on <laughs> their New Year's Eve. I'm neck deep and it's and it's kind of snowing a little bit. But then, you know, when it would stop snowing, the, it would clear up a little bit. And we are watching the northern lights, sit, you know, neck deep in the blue lagoon. Wow. <laughs>
0: so, that's a beautiful way to bring in a new year.
1: Yeah, except for I got the worst cold I ever had after oh, that. So I don't, no. know, I don't know if okay. the two are related, but.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, you know, um, stuff happens. While you, yeah, true.
0: While you were here, did you happen to learn any Icelandic?
1: Uh, the, any little bit that I might've remembered is 30 years old. So <laughs> not really. I mean, I could kind of, you know, I knew a few words just, you know, if you saw a sign, you could tell what the sign meant and, right. and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, but no, not really. I, I wish yeah. I would have now, now that it's, you know, long gone, but <laughs>
0: Well, for when you come back, I mean, technology has really advanced yeah. <laughs> things. Oh, certainly,
1: uh, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> there's
0: no pressure, of course, to do that. Everyone speaks English, but I do think it's kind of interesting just to like to see if there was something you remembered because uh, you'd written "pilsa" in your email, and yeah. you were really close with the spelling. Yeah, the spelling so, I'm
1: sure was off, but the, at least the the pronunciation might be right.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So
1: it's yeah. obviously in there. And I think I think "Merry <laughs> Christmas" with "Gendelik Yol." Something like that.
0: Uh, Leather like Yeah,
1: something close to that. I,
0: yeah, but see, exactly, it's like it's in there. It's in the back <laughs> of your brain. But
1: yeah, not, I, I don't specifically remember a whole lot, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's like I said, that's been uh, many moons.
0: Yeah, you're probably also busy doing other things. Yeah, <laughs> worrying about to, learning the
1: language. I only got so much hard drive space up there. You know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm just curious. This is my last question. In terms of your fondest memories of Iceland, like, were there any favorite places that you went to? You mentioned you went to, like, the glaciers and Akureyri. Was there anything that really, like, stuck out to you? Um, maybe a couple of things.
1: Yeah, uh, let's see. I, I loved Reykjavik, uh, just, you know, the, the, the old part of downtown... Reykjavik, mm-hmm. you know, just walking around, especially around Christmas time. That's where you know yeah. I remember the most. And you know, the weather up there is not as terrible as you know. Like I'm, I'm from Northern Michigan, and the winters up in Iceland were not as bad. Yeah, really. And so you know, here we are walking around. There's not snow on the ground, and uh, walking around downtown Reykjavik, and and it just the whole vibe of the place was was different. It kind of reminded me of Europe in one mm-hmm. way. And then, you know, in another way, it just reminded me of, of my hometown here in Michigan, you know, walking downtown and, you know, the vibe was similar and, and I really, you know, really liked that, that part of it. And uh, the other one was, uh, we went to some Island or near some Island where, that had recently popped up out of the ocean from the, from the, the, uh, I forget where it's in the South part of Iceland. It was a relatively mm-hmm. new Island that popped up. <laughs> Okay, I forget what it was called, but it was, it, it was uh, you know the uh, the the lava had come up out of the mm. ocean and formed this little island right off the coast, and it, that nice. was reasonably recent at that time. Okay, and you know I don't know what you know glacier ter- or, you know glacial terms that you know might have been hundred yeah. years ago. I don't know, but <laughs> it, it was it, it was a relatively new island, and I just thought that was interesting. That whole coast on the south, you know. South edge of Iceland was uh, just mm-hmm. really beautiful, and uh, there was another another place we went. Was, I don't even know where it is, but they called it the Black Beach. Reynisfjara, mm-hmm. maybe
0: like Vik. does that sound familiar? That sounds or?
1: somewhat familiar. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. we you know we went out driving around, just you know, kind of you know. We would call two tracking here, and we're just driving up these dirt roads, and uh, you know, you get to the ocean, and you know, you get out on this beach, and it was all this black sand on the mm-hmm. beach, and the, the puffins, I guess, the, the birds, the seabirds that were there, yeah, uh, was, was quite yeah, interesting. There
0: definitely a lot of birds there, and I'm wondering where the waves really rough back, do you remember? Yeah, like it, was, you uh, it seemed
1: a bit rough out there. I wouldn't want to try yeah. to go swimming there. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's been one of the problems that, I mean, I don't know if any signs were up the, up back then, but As of recently, they've had to put up signs because of tourists getting too close to the water, and they have sneaker waves that come up and basically like grab people and pull them into the water.
1: Oh (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, we 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 stayed far enough away. We didn't. Okay. So you 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 guys
0: just kind of instinctively knew that this was not a good idea to go to the water.
1: You you don't mess with the you don't mess with the ocean if you can help it. No. True. Being I a station on a navy base, you know that that had nothing to do with the ocean for me. (laughs) Air Force and uh, you know we don't like the water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to stay in the air. Stay with what you know. (laughs) Right
1: exactly and uh, like I said but it was you know just driving around in the countryside it it sort of reminded me of the desert in some spots you Mm -hmm. know and and then you know then you'd get into these you know uh, these mountainous areas and you know around the glacier and the, the glaciers and the mountains and all that. That was pretty. Uh, One of the jokes, probably not a good joke, but one of the jokes Mm -hmm. was, you know, how how do you find your way out if you get lost in the Icelandic national forest? Mm -hmm. The joke was stand up because all the trees are really (laughs) short. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just
0: like for context, for people who are listening, they're they're birch trees. So they just, they look like bushes
1: basically. Exactly. You know, we had some taller trees on the base. I don't know where those came from, but you know, they were still not, you know, not the 80 foot trees you see here in the no. U.S. They were, uh, you know, maybe 20 feet high at the most and, you know, not yeah. very big around and all that. But yeah, that was just kind of the joke. You know, we always had little mm-hmm. jokes, you know, we're military guys, you know, we, yeah. we do crude <laughs> things sometimes, it. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your experience. It's fascinating to think of, you know, 30 years ago, Iceland, like i I haven't only been well acquainted with Iceland for the last four or five years. So it's really cool to kind of hear someone's perspective, obviously coming from a very, you know, different life, having been in the military and, you know, having experienced Iceland that way, but still giving some context to a time period where Iceland is just so different and yet not at the same time. Yeah.
1: It's uh, the thing, you know, The thing with me is I didn't actually get to integrate with the Icelandic culture as much as somebody that actually lives there, Uh, you know, because we were, you know, we were in our own little separate country on that base, and that's literally how it was treated. So, you know, when we visited off the base, it was basically we were going into Iceland from a U.S. base (laughs) or Mm -hmm. a NATO base, you know, so it was a little different experience, but uh, I did spend quite a bit of time off the base and... And uh, and just enjoyed uh, you know exploring around the country and and some of the interesting you know stuff that was different than what we were used to.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nice. And I do hope you come back. Oh when, well,
1: definitely. My wife and yeah. I are planning it then probably the next couple of years. Awesome. So
0: I'm sure you'll enjoy seeing this place again and how much it's changed and I'm and sure. the things that are are similar.
1: I'm sure the airport sort of looks the same. Airports are airports, but. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs> great. Thank you, Mike.
1: Yep. Have a great day.
0: You too. Thanks.